And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to our Lads and Powers. This is Scott Powers. I'm with Mark Lazarus, as usual. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Mark. Am I brought to you by anything? Do I have my own sponsor? I want my own private sponsor. We're like, Mark Lazarus is brought to you by Metamucil. It makes his stomach feel better. What would you want to be sponsored by? I don't know. What would I want free? I guess I guess the question is, what would you want a whole bunch for free? Like, um, microwavable bacon? Mark Lazarus is brought to you by microwavable bacon. It's amazing he hasn't died on the spot. Just thinking of things that I need in the household, right? Like diapers and formula, like that. Oh, God. I'll tell you what. The day that we bought, like the last time we bought formula and the day I threw out the diaper genie, two of the best days of my life. Yeah. Without question. Like, I love baby. I missed I missed the baby stuff. I know you get to do the whole baby thing all over again. And, you know, I see my Facebook memories every day. And it's like, oh, my kid's falling asleep on my chest. And just relaxing with the baby. And they're so cute. And they don't do anything. I don't miss any of it. I, I, I miss them, but I would never do it again. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, I'm, I will look forward to those days. Like, even now, it's nice. Just like, oh, these clothes are done for good. <laughs> you know? Like, these, there's not another baby that's coming. Uh, they will wear those clothes. The next time I change a diaper, it'll be my own in about 30 years. Is that too gross for a podcast? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, So here we are on Thursday. I'm struggling with the days again. uh... You know, it's funny because, like, you know, in the old days when I was traveling all the time and, like, on the road 100-something nights a year, I never knew what day of the week it was, ever. 
because I was always thinking about the next day's paper, but I was also like, you know, weekends have no meaning when you're always traveling. I was always traveling on Saturdays and Sundays. The pandemic, all of a sudden, I always know what day of the week it is because of school, because the yeah. kids and all that. But now that we're back at work every day and we're at the rink every day, I've, I've, I've already completely lost track of what day. My kids on Thursdays have a late start. They go in a half hour later. Yeah. And I like woke them up this morning. Come on, I gotta go to school. I gotta get to work. And they're like, it's Thursday. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Let's go. <laughs> just have no concept of time anymore already. Just right back into it. That's really loud. <laughs> <laughs> have you met me? <laughs> Um, I had my trip last weekend, uh, to Europe, which was really quick. So that's like, I, even now, like, I, I like 10 o'clock comes at night and I'm just like completely just like <laughs> done. Like they're still adjusting. That's me. And I, I didn't go to Europe last weekend. Yeah. Um, so we're outside, uh, in your, in your TV studio, <laughs> um, Blackhawks had a uh, morning skate and practice around the two groups and they have their fifth preseason game tonight and sixth to be at home on Saturday. Um, I thought it was interesting and, and, and. Uh, Colleton was asked about it today about how if if there are more decisions that he didn't expect to have and I, and I, I you know it's all preseason it's camp but the Blackhawks seem like they're deeper and that they have a lot of young guys that do seem like they've taken steps like guys like Entwistle who I didn't think was ready last year to be an NHL player and and, and he looks a lot more ready I think Goddad's been one of their best players in the preseason um, you know I think Borgstrom's been pretty good like even guys like Galvis and Mitchell who um, you know, like they, uh, Galvis is certainly a surprise, you know, like he, you knew that he was a decent prospect, but he, he seems like he's better. And now that, you know, uh, Kalnick's out and Caleb Jones could be out, like those guys could be in the lineup, but, um, yeah, it, it's pretty apparent that Alex Nylander isn't going to make this team. Um, they have a tough decision ahead of him, but, but when you guys have an end with some Borgstrom got up being legit and, um, you know, that you've other, other prospects that I, I think have had pretty good camps that it's, it's. It, it they're they're good decisions for the Blackhawks to make, but they are they are difficult ones. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll get into the the positive guys like the Ant whistles and all that in a minute. But I, I think Nylander is he's such a such a, a polarizing figure in, in in the Blackhawks world where you know everybody knows he's got lots of talent. Like and he played a top six role a couple of years ago and he scored a fair amount of points. He was one of the Blackhawks' more productive five on five players. But he missed all of last season with the knee injury. He has not looked good in this camp. He did not look good in the preseason games that he got a chance in. Uh, he just doesn't look like his self, and his self wasn't necessarily good enough to be in the NHL to begin with. So it's not great. Um, I think we all kind of assumed entering camp that he would have to be really bad for them to risk putting him on waivers, but I'm not even sure it's a risk to put him on waivers now because how many teams want to pick up a guy who's coming off a knee injury and hasn't looked that good in the preseason? He might not make it through, but I thought Jeremy Colleton put it in a good way. Like when you talk about the depth they have, he said, you know, if we were, we're putting guys, if we're, he wasn't naming names, but we were all kind of getting around the fact that we were talking about Nylander, you know, the fact that we're going to have to put some guys that we like on waivers is a sign of how well we're doing, that, that guys are stepping up and that we have more depth than we had in the past. And that is, it's like Joel Quenville always said, we like we like hard decisions because it usually means you have too many good players and not, you know, which bad player are we going to put in the lineup. Yeah. But uh, it is, it, this this feels like, you know, I don't know if it's the end for Nylander because, again, I don't think he's going to get claimed. I I was told by a league source I had in the story today is that I was told to look for Arizona, that Bill Armstrong was always mm. like Nylander. And if it's a team that... 
you're like you're in a rebuilding stage. Like you may pick someone up like that. Like either either as a depth guy or just someone that you try out for some games. Then you can also put him on well, waivers. He's a you top know? ten pick. He's got the pedigree, and he's still only twenty two, twenty three years old. Yeah, and and yeah, I I just I think for a team that that has no maybe hope of winning this season, that you know, like if you pick him up and and if you don't like what you see, you also put him on waivers, and maybe he gets through, and you put him in the yeah, AHL. I mean, he's, he's what eight hundred something thousand dollars. I mean, he's not like a high risk. Yeah, guy. so I I I I would be surprised. I guess I. I don't. I'd be surprised if he got through. Just that there are teams that you know are in that boat where they they aren't thinking playoffs and they they take a chance on a guy. Um, I think the other interesting thing tonight for tonight in the next two games is where Strom fits because I, I I think Godet's played well enough now that he deserves to be in the lineup. I think Borgstrom has shown enough that he probably deserves. But what does that mean for the rest? Where's the rest of the lineup shake out? You know, like if your top line is going to be, um, you know, the Brinkid. Tyler Johnson and Kane, and then Kubalik, Taves, and Kurashev, uh, and then Hagel, Kirby Doc, and then either Borgstrom or Gaudet, and then you have what Carr and Carpenter and some Borgstrom or Gaudet. Like, right. where does where does Dylan Strom fit into all this? It's tough because I mean, you know, he he's a center, and he should be playing center. He's at his best when he plays center. But if you put him between Carpenter and Kyra. That that's not a that's not a, a natural fit for him. You know, you could think, well, why don't we put him on the wing with Taves and Kubalik? Because he's got the kind of skill to play with high end players. That's what he does well. But he hasn't fared well on the wing either. So you don't know how long you can give him a leash there. Uh, and 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 well, frankly, who, sit, Khrushchev, who, sit, who sits if if Strom plays? Well, that's just it too. I mean, you're gonna are you gonna are you willing to take like a Ryan Carpenter and make him a rotational player? I don't think so. Are you willing to sit Borgstrom every night? Then why isn't he in Rockford? I mean, there's a well because he can clear waivers, waivers, but. Yeah. But that, that's what you have to decide. I mean, Strom, they've shown they're willing to healthy scratch him. He was a healthy scratch a handful of times last year. But can you have a $3 million guy with high-end ability just sitting there in the press box every night? That's not a tenable situation, really. So it's going to he, he, you know, you never want to put any stock into preseason games. But he's got a lot to prove tonight, Thursday night in Minnesota. Because if he has a big game, maybe he does get some kind of a look on on Saturday in the in the, in the finale, which will be as close to a dress rehearsal with the with the main group as you have. Uh, well, the other thing is, with the, I mean, at this point, like, I don't think Entwistle can do anything to make this team right. Like, I, I keep on thinking Entwistle is like, oh, he deserves a shot. But when you think about, it, there's no spot for him, and he's a guy who just scored two goals. And what if he goes and scores? You know, he scores a hat trick tonight, or does something like yeah. that. Like, it, I don't know if there's a way that he can even play his way itself on this team with, with you know, not with him being waiver exempt, and then plus the rest of the team. Well, and if he does, it's it's going to be as like the fourteenth forward. Yeah. And, and 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 again, do you want a promising young player sitting there not playing? You know, there, there's a good chance he could be this. Not good chance. That's 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 overstating it. But he's the best candidate to be this year's Brandon Hagel, the guy that nobody was thinking about entering camp, who got an opportunity to play early and just took off. Remember, Hagel did, wasn't even in the opening night, night night lineup last year. He had a good camp, made the team, but wasn't in the opening night lineup. And then he got his chance, and boom, took off. You know, it's easy to see Entwistle having some kind of trajectory like that, but he's got to be on the team to do that. Yeah. And maybe he is the 14th forward, and maybe after the first game, you know, if, if it doesn't go well, you're playing Colorado just like you played at Tampa to open the season last year. It might not be pretty on night, on opening night. Maybe you give someone else a chance. Maybe Entwistle has a big game in New Jersey, and he takes off from there. But he is, he, again, I feel like I've said this about a lot of people. He is, he has been one of the 12 best forwards in camp this year. Yeah. 
But that doesn't mean he's going to be in the opening night lineup just yeah. because there's so many more decisions that go into this than just hockey. It's not. It's just not a meritocracy. No, never and has it, been. And it's also with Reichel too, because I, I think I've seen enough from Reichel to say that he's an NHL player, <laughs> and they're probably slightly lucky that Reichel wasn't better. You know, like he, he showed flashes in the first game, and I, I feel like he was good enough to show that he can play in the NHL. But one, they had other guys who play. You know, like God, I think especially Goddard's. You know, it's been so impressive that. It didn't force, you know, Reichel didn't force the Blackhawks hand because right. that could have been a lot more complicated. He would have had to have been spectacular yeah. to have forced his way in because yeah. he's waivers exempt. Yeah, no, that's and and then that's the thing is that there's like even you know without Nila if if Nylander and Bor, you know Reichel I think were the two other names that we uh, going into the camp are like these guys are the guys in the mix and for them not to probably be in the mix because at this point I think as difficult as those decisions are like they could have been a lot harder. Um, on the defensive side, I, I you know like. They had seven defensemen that seemed pretty set, and now, you know, Kalnick's out uh, for two to four weeks, and, and Caleb Jones has been out the last two days with wrist soreness, which uh, usually isn't something that just disappears. It's alarming, yeah. Um, and he's been very good in camp. Like, yeah. He's been one of the more impressive players in camp, has been Caleb Jones. Uh, he, he, he seemed like he was pretty, you know, fixed, uh, fixed in the lineup. Um, and, and the thing is, you lose Kalanuk, they need someone on the right side now. And that third pairing, Kalanuk's a lefty, but he showed last year he could play on the right side. I asked Carlton today, what other guys do you have that you feel confident playing the right side? He mentioned Calvin DeHaan's done it a little bit. He mentioned Stillman's done it a little bit. He mentioned Caleb Jones has done it a little bit. But uh, you I know, think, I mean, it opens the door for Mitchell, yeah. That's exactly what it does. Yeah, unless you're willing, and, and, and Carlton said, sometimes it just takes a couple of games, and these guys can adjust. They're professional hockey players. But not every, remember they did, uh, Joel Quenville did that with Connor Murphy a few years ago. He just randomly decided, you're on the left side now with Brent Seabrook, and Murphy's like, what? I've never done that in my life. Yeah. And he was really good at it. And, he, and and that was Brent Seabrook's best pairing, because he had a good, competent left side guy. So you never know. Kalanick hadn't really done it much until he just wanted to play last year. He wasn't going to say no to playing the right side. But uh, it does uh, affect the dynamic of what uh, of the the structure they had built there. Now all of a sudden they have to improvise because you know we don't know if Caleb Jones will be ready by Wednesday. Yeah, I at this point I'd be surprised if it wasn't Mitchell. You know, like I, I think I think the problem is that you know even I had asked Carlton about it today is that normally they carry seven defensemen and and they had seven set and now they may be down the five and having to fill in those two spots and one of them those seventh defensemen might be like a young guy who should be in Rockford and you're going on a long road trip. So you're going to carry seven, seven D. So like, you know, like a Galvis will be sitting in the press box. And I think that's, um, that's a challenge with having so many young guys in Rockford that, you know, sometimes you'd like to have like a Philip Holm or something like that, just to, mm-hmm. you can bring up and you, you, you have them kind of round as a seven, seventh defenseman. And I think that's, that's going to be a challenge for them at this point. If Kalnick's out for a month and, We'll see what how long Jones is out, or yeah, even if Jones is back, like you probably carry Mitchell or or Galvis is that seventh defenseman. So I, I think that's it, it's a minor thing, but it's also something like it. You want those guys to be getting all those reps in rock for this right. year. You don't you don't want Mitchell to kind of have to do what he did last season. No, you want you want Mitchell and Bodan just getting all the minutes in Rockford if you can, and seeing you know, and even Galvis. Even Galvis. I mean, too, I mean yeah. Galvis is probably ahead of Bodan. You know, yeah. like it's I and mean, Galvis is older and he's played in. Uh, played in the pros, but I, you know, for the Gal- for Galvis to be playing in tonight's game and still be around, like it says something about where the Blackhawks potentially. Yeah, when the, when the Hawks added all these guys, it wasn't just because they wanted to immediately improve. The idea was it would give some of these young guys more time to develop in Rockford, which they they got thrown into the NHL last year because they had no other choice. Yeah, you know, the the, 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 the Ian Mitchell is still a part of this team's long term plans. But, you know, they wanted him in Rockford playing 22 minutes a night on the power play, on the penalty kill. Being a third-pairing guy in and out of the lineup for the first few weeks of the NHL season, 
you know, I'm sure Ian Mitchell would prefer that. That's what he would rather have. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but that's not what's best for the Blackhawks in the long run. So, you know, these little little injuries, and Kalinux isn't really that little an injury. I mean, an ankle sprain, who knows how long that takes to come back from. But like Caleb Jones, it, it opens doors for people, but it kind of messes with the grand plan here. And they had a plan that looked like it was on track to, to working. They liked the unit that they had, and now they're going to have to improvise. And that's why you always need 9, 10, 11, 12 defensemen, because this is what happens in hockey. You always have guys coming in out of the lineup. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What uh, Seth Jones talked, like the Kane and, and Seth Jones got named to the Team USA team. Um, Interesting that Seth Jones was one of the three guys. That's, you know, I, Stan Bowman is the GM Stan of Jones Team USA. But you go and you look at some of the roster projections around the league, and Seth Jones was like the sixth, seventh, or eighth defenseman on some of those guys' lists. I'm not saying he should be, but he was not someone that you would think would be one of the three best guys that would go right away. You wonder a little bit about that, but it also might be that's the leadership group they have in mind. I mean, Kane seems like a logical choice to be the captain this year. Um, and uh, Austin Matthews would be a logical alternate captain. Seth Jones is a well-respected veteran who could be an alternate captain too. But it was interesting that two of the three guys were Blackhawks when the Blackhawks guy is the GM of the team. I don't know. Adam Fox won the Norris Trophy last year is all I'm saying. He's American too. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> what... Uh... I wasn't there for the Jones press conference, but it sounded as if he wasn't like he's not content with how he's playing right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of people have noticed that he hasn't had the greatest preseason. Um, he is one of the people that have noticed that, and it's bothered him a little bit. He says he's liked what he's done offensively to some degree, but he hasn't been happy with the stuff in the defensive end. He says some of it is still systems and just kind of learning around, but he he doesn't seem concerned by it. But he is certainly aware of it, that this is not the level he needs to be playing. I need to be playing at a much higher level than this. Not to justify the contract, that's not even what this is about. And the, the new contract doesn't even kick in until next year. But to, to do what he was brought here to do. I mean, the Blackhawks gave up a lot to get him because he's supposed to be the number one defenseman. He hasn't been playing like it. But again, it's the preseason. He's a seven, eight-year veteran. You very rarely see veterans having awesome camps because they don't have to have awesome camps. It's about getting their legs underneath them, getting their timing down. I, you know, if it's if he's still playing like this in early November, yeah, you got a huge concern on your hands. But I don't think you have to worry about uh, about Seth Jones just yet. Colorado's an interesting measuring stick right off the bat. You know, they're they're not. I mean, it's funny because like we're all saying like, oh, Colorado, they're, they're going to win the cup this year. They're not as good as they were last year. Yeah, like they've lost a fair bit. You know. They lost Brandon Saad, and they lost Philip Grubauer, and, you know, I think Darcy Kemper is in, but, you know, we don't know what he, what he's going to do as a, as a true number one. But they are still a really, really good team, incredibly top-heavy, just amazing top two lines. You know, Nathan McKinnon is the second-best player in the world, probably. 
Uh, they they're a handful. It's just like last year when when the Hawks opened with like what was it two games in Tampa and then two games in Florida, yeah. and they looked horrendous. And everybody was like, "Oh my God, this is going to be a long year." And then they wound up contending for a lot of the year. I think you have to brace yourself that a team with all these new parts that's still feeling its way, uh, opening in Colorado, it might not be pretty right off the bat. Um, I, I, I don't think they can afford to have a a, a really slow start though. No, you not know? in this division. No, yeah. there are there are. Six, maybe seven, if, if you're a little delusional with Nashville, there are at least six teams that are just absolutely convinced they're playoff teams in the yeah. Central Division this year. And, you know, at most five will be. And it's possible four because the Pacific Division, it it's garbage compared to the Central, but they have a lot of garbage to feast on. There's a lot of games against, like, the Ducks and the Sharks yeah. and all these games where you can rack up some points, whereas the Central Division is going to cannibalize itself. So just because certainly five or six of the best eight teams in the Western Conference are in the Central, doesn't mean that it's going to be a 3-5 situation where the, where the Central gets five. So, yeah, these games, it's a long season. Yeah. It's not a short one like last year. 82 games is a lot. But you look at all the projections from Dom and Jay Fresh and all these other guys, and, boy, that's Central Division. It's going to be like three or four points separating yeah, three or four yeah. teams. So, you know, you might not think about that random game in New Jersey in the first week of October when it comes down to it in April, but those points count just as much as the ones in April do. What do you feel like you know about this team? Like, I... I, I I think Kirby Doc's back on track to where he was. I, I, I think Taves look good, but I don't know where he's at. I, I think the defense has improved, but is it significant enough? Like I, like I'm certainly curious about Seth Jones as number one still. Like I, I, I think McCabe's legit and Murphy, and I think Dehan healthy is legit. And uh, you know, I, I, I guess if if you're changing the defense a little bit, you know, if if Galvis and Mitchell is your third pairing, it's a little bit different. Uh, I'm not sold on Stillman completely yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I, you know, from what I've seen, like, Gaudette and some of these guys, like, I, I think Hagel's, you know, like, taking another step. Um, uh, Tyler Johnson centering the Brinkin and Kane, does that work? Like, I, I, I feel like there's enough to say the Blackhawks are, will be relevant and interesting, but are, are they, do they take that next step? Like, the, there's still some variables there. I that, think, I think if you took this team and you put them in the Pacific Division, they would be the second or third place team. Easily. I mean, right now we're talking probably Seattle might be the second best team in the Pacific. That's how bad the Pacific is. In the Central, I don't know because they're going to be playing so many good teams. But here's what I know about the Blackhawks. They're deeper than they were last year. They're faster than they were last year. This is a much better skating team than we've seen in years past. Um, I do think that eventually it's going to be McCabe and Murphy on a pairing together, and I think that's going to be a really good shutdown pairing that's going to allow Seth Jones to be more offensive-minded and get more favorable matchups and be the player the Blackhawks need him to be. This team's going to score a shit ton of goals. I mean, I think when it comes down to it, you got Kane, you got Debrinkit, you got Taze is going to be a... He's always good for 20 to 25 goals, assuming he's healthy, and he certainly looks healthy so far. Kubalik's going to be back with Taze and probably getting 25, 30 goals. Uh, Hagel's going to... You know, his, his shooting percentage is going to kind of regress to the mean, and he'll score some more goals. I think you got more scoring depth with guys like Gaudet and Borkstrom. There's a lot more potential for goals from that bottom six now. This team's going to score a lot of goals, and they've got a good goalie. Now, I don't expect Marc-Andre Fleury to be a 930 goalie again this year. This is not this. He's playing behind a very different defense than he did in Vegas. But if he could be a 915, 920 guy, which is perfectly reasonable and in line with most of his career, this team's going to win a bunch of games. I don't know if it'll be enough. They're going to be competitive. They're going to be pretty good. I don't know if this is a good team. It's certainly not a great team just yet. But I, I, I seem to be higher on this team than a lot of people outside of Chicago do. Like, I think people are still skeptical. They're still skeptical of Colleton. They're skeptical skeptical of a lot of people in this organization. I'm, 
I think this team is better than Dallas, certainly better than Nashville, certainly better than Arizona. So I think it's one of the five best teams in the division. The question is, can they be better than St. Louis, Minnesota, Winnipeg? Everyone's really high on Winnipeg this year. And with Connor Hellybuck, I get it. Um, they've improved their defense a little bit. They've got a ton of good, they got a really good scoring lines up front. So I, this is going to be a good team this year. I don't know if it's going to be good enough in a deep division like this. But I do think that they're better than people are going to give them are so far giving them credit for. I haven't put a whole lot of stock in these projections. Like they're they're all within like three or four points, and and I know that they're all kind of basing it on on war and a lot of analytics. And and I, I guess I just I feel like there's so many different variables with so many of these teams that just well, just look at what this team was last year when they almost made the playoffs for most of the year. And like look t- at it now, this is a better team. Well, it also depends. Like Taves needs to be. Like I like he's looked good, but what's a season? You know, like the wear and tear of a right. season, and um, you know, like it, it just defensively, like Dave's defensively wasn't great when he let when we last saw him. You know, like he, there's some stuff in the zone, like they, and I I, I need to see like I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with Carlton's system, like a lot of people do, but I think. I need to see it executed properly. Like I need it. I, I think they have the pieces. I think there's still some learning curve to what they're trying to do. Like I, I'm curious to seeing all this play out. Like there's like even, um, yeah, I don't know. Like yeah, like obviously Flurry looks legit and, he, and he's proven. It's just that you, until you play the games and like there's just so many ifs for me still. You yeah. know, like I, I, I am curious what that first road trip looks like. And um, even these last few preseason games, I think these are important for them to be. Um, yeah, just having some of these groups together and playing is a, like it's been so much about the roster battles. And I know throughout, like it's been a tough, it's been a tough camp. And they've mentioned that. Yeah, and this, a lot is, of, this has been way more grueling than any camp Joel yeah. Brennan will ever have, for sure. <laughs> and, and a lot of it's been, you know, about implementing systems and and you know, like the, I feel like they've been juggling so many balls. Like you're you're trying to get multiple things done, and that's why they've carried these large groups too, to you know be able to teach systems at an earlier phase. But um, yeah, when we get down to one group, and that's that's the group, and that's the focus, and and the reality is they do play Colorado on on Wednesday, you know, like and then and then you're you're on the road for two more games, and um, yeah, New Jersey and Pittsburgh are New Jersey's on the rise. Pittsburgh, we don't know, no Malkin, no Crosby. Yeah, Pittsburgh could be. I, I, you never count out Pittsburgh, but they could also be terrible this yeah, year. Yeah, no, I mean, for you just sure. Don't know. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I, I'm. I feel like we knew, like, as much as last team's, last year's team surprised us in some ways, like, you, like, it ultimately was at, the, you know, like, it still didn't make the playoffs, right. and, you know, like, this this team, I, yeah, I don't know, I, you know, I, I'll be, I know we're going to do the scouts piece for next week and talking to some scouts, and it's been pretty definitive in the past, past few years, like, this is a bad team, right. and, and, and I, I think there's a little bit more of an unknown this season. I, I think, I think everyone's going to be approaching the Blackhawks with, you know, caution, because just adding a bunch of good players doesn't make you a better team. You still have to see how they how they work together. And the players they added, frankly, Seth Jones is kind of polarizing in the analytics community. And Tyler Johnson, well, he was a fourth liner in Tampa. Now he's a first liner here. And, you know, Jake McCabe, well, he's coming off a major leg and knee injury. And, you know, what, what, what is he going to be like? This And then there's the Taves question. Flurry, was last year the aberration or was it the year before when he wasn't very good, the aberration? There's, there are a lot of question marks. I think the ceiling is pretty high for this team. The floor is a lot higher than it was last year. I think yeah. that's what it comes. And last year, you had a team that was competitive for most of the year, was in a playoff spot for a lot of the year, and you just upgraded from Kevin Lankin and Malcolm Subban to Mark Andre Fleury and Kevin Lankin. And you got to figure that's good for a couple of wins, and a couple of wins might have had this team in the playoffs. So, uh, but again, the divisions are different now. The division, you know, last year the division was super top heavy with Tampa, Carolina, and Florida. This year, 
uh, all three of those teams are gone, yeah. but they're replaced by more pretty good teams. Yeah. You know, Minnesota and uh, and St. Louis and all of them that were in the Pacific last year. So it's there's so many variables. We're coming off this like ridiculous season where we don't know where to, how much stock to put into anything last year. There's so many unknowns, but um, I, I don't know. I look at the lineup. I'm like, that's 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 a pretty good top nine right there. No, that's a pretty good top four on the defense. And yeah. oh, you get the Vesna. On paper, it's a pretty good looking team. Right, right. We just don't know how it's going to come. I'm out always yet. worried about just that we cover this team every day, you know? Like oh, you, where you, we got blinders on, and it's terrible, yeah. I, mean, it, <laughs> well, it, I don't know if it's blinders, it's just that you, you do, like, I... You start overvaluing the people that you've been covering for. Yeah, yeah, or you, you just see it so often that you just, you know, like... I like think, think where we keep talking up Adam Gaudet, like he's some great, you know, prospect or something, like, this guy's been in the league before, and he's done nothing, so it's yeah. like, no, you yeah. know, we, we see them every day, we start, like, reading too much into, oh, man, you see that one play you made on this drill here, and that one play you made in yeah. the preseason, you know, we put two, I, I think that's an inevitable that you're going to put too much stock into some of the things you see every day yeah no for sure but I, it, it all i know it's going to be interesting like like whatever happens this year it's going to be fascinating to watch it's either they're going to be pretty good they're going to be right on the bubble or it's going to be an unmitigated disaster with huge contracts weighing you down that could be no matter what we'll have a lot to write about no matter what happens yeah, so let's no. put it that way and and, and and honestly i mean in in the backdrop of all this is th- there's a case that those two cases are going to still be determined and um, you know, the timeline might be in November, um, whether it leads, you know, heads of discovery or dismissed. And, and at some point, the Blackhawks, you know, whether it's dismissed or goes forward, they're going to have to answer questions about the moral and ethical questions, too. Yep. So yeah, I, 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 the, the, yeah, this season, I guess, in a lot of ways, you know, obviously that's its own separate case. But And your two most prominent players were both on those teams. So, I mean, and, and Bowman, Sam Bowman's face. still, yeah. you know, the general manager. So, yeah, I think that's, like, it adds, yeah, it adds a little bit more, yeah, just drama to the season in some ways. Well, let's talk a little bit speaking of drama. Robin Leonard, our old pal, um, he, I, we're a couple days behind on this, but he's been the big story for the last week now where he basically went on Twitter and he, you know, uh, uh, he said that, that the NHL is, is, you know, drugging its players basically with Ambien and, and Benzos and, you know, not with prescriptions and not ethically. And then he's calling out coaches like Elaine Vigneault for being dinosaurs. Like he is just letting it all hang out. He was threatening to, you know, release something every day for until the NHL talked to him. He did talk to the NHL. Uh, he seemed a little bit more reserved in his press conference, basically saying, you know, we're going to keep this private from now on, which is a, a 180 from what he was doing. But maybe that means he's he's hearing what he wants to hear. I, I, I'm, I'm loath to ever give the NHL the benefit of the doubt when it comes to these things because the NHL never seems to change. But uh, it's 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 quintessential Robin Leonard, right? I mean, this is a guy who says whatever is on his mind. Um, damn the consequences, for better or worse. Um, I, I I have nothing but respect for him and his willingness to say this is not how it's done in hockey. Yeah. But he's like the hell with it. This is what matters to me, and this is what I believe in. Um, well, you you see a lot of players. I mean, as I, I I've seen Dan Carcillo comes the most to mm-hmm. mind who speak after right. You know, after the fact. So. I think that it's yeah. I think it's important. Um, yeah, for someone to speak up and defend guys like Jack Eichel, and and you certainly, um, you know, kind of where where does NHLPA stand in this? You know, like it feels like at times they're they're fighting for certain things and also, but also fighting against their own right. their own players. And frequently, I, uh, when they I, they def- they always defend the predators and the hits and never the victims. <laughs> right, right, right. So, I I I think it's you know like it was interesting because I was abroad when like all that was going on, and I, I remember showing someone like, oh, do you see this? You know, like <laughs> it, it, it 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 you know like people see it like it it certainly causes waves, and I think it caught the NHL's attention. And, um, Anything that puts a spotlight on these issues, I think, is a positive thing because we all all of us that are around hockey, I, mean, I don't think anyone was shocked. 
by anything that Robin Leonard actually yeah. said. They were just shocked that he said something. Yeah. Because it's just not the way it's done in the NHL. But that's that's Leonard, man. Leonard's never been shy about sharing his opinions. And, you know, you and I covered him for, God, it was less than a season. But, yeah. you know, I, I liked him a lot. I, I, I sold a lot of subscriptions off of Robin Leonard. Don't get me wrong. But he could be exhausting to cover, too, because at, at any moment he could just tell you something like holy shit no hockey players ever said that before to with a recorder running before and it's amazing but you know I, I give him a lot of credit for being willing to put himself out there I think it helps that he's finally got the contract that he's been looking for for so long he's got some job security in Vegas Vegas from all accounts is a great organization that's standing by him and supporting him and not like mad at him for doing this but uh, it, it takes some courage to go out there and basically call out the teams you know could he have done it more gracefully sure but that's not really Robin Leonard's way right he's, he's blunt force trauma personified uh, which is, you know, some, maybe the NHL needs that. The NHL needs a kick in the ass in a lot of ways, and, you know, this is the kind of thing that might actually, you know, affect some change. Yeah, I mean, and then that's the key, is that if he's catching someone, you know, like, it's not just NHL trying to silence Robin Leonard. Like, the, that's you hope is that he's, they're giving him a, an actual platform, an opportunity to be heard and yeah. express some of those things. And, and good for a player for stepping up for Jack Eichel. I mean, f- give me a, I mean, this is, this situation with Eichel is horrible. It's going nowhere. It's you know he's not going to be playing in the Olympics this year probably, and that was he was one of the reasons people thought Team USA had a chance because this is just because they're not fixing anything. Yeah. He's just sitting there waiting, and I know that the the Sabers have invested a ton of money in him, but he's a he's a, a an adult human being with some rights. Doesn't he have some rights to his own health decisions and stuff? Yeah. And it's just it's such an ugly situation, and, and good for for Leonard for sticking up for a fellow player. You know that was his captain when he was in Buffalo, and you know you, we don't see enough of that in the NHL. We see that in other sports where guys step up. And, and and speak some truth to power. Uh, I, I think I mean it, a, you he's see, a unicorn. You see NHL in that players hockey. step up, and it's usually to defend the guy fighting or something like that. But yeah. it, it, I think it's yeah, it's a lot harder. Uh, you know, like there's just it's the culture of just kind of you kind of conform, and you, you know, you just you, you stay in your lane, and um, you know, I, I, even with the vaccine stuff, like you, like even Duncan Keith coming out and saying that I wish NHL had had my back, like, I, and I, you know, I, I don't. I don't agree with him. I don't agree with him, but, you know, like, he's also, I I think it brought up something that, you know, like, this is how he felt and he wished someone had defended him, but, um, yeah, like, that's just, it's it's not usually an initial way where it's, it's, I guess that's a different, like, it's interesting, you know, I've covered the NBA and and some of this a little bit, but to watch that stuff on more of a daily basis and the topics they get into and um, it just, it, it happens so rarely on this beat that it's, yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be, uh, yeah, hopefully, it, it, hopefully the NHL listens to, uh, I, I, I hope he hasn't been chastened and isn't like backing off because of something the NHL told him. <laughs> yeah. Cause there was, there was a little bit of that, like, you know, uh, hostage, uh, blink twice if you're okay during that press conference. He's talking about potential change. I don't want potential change. You want, you want change, right? You want, you want the, what's best for the players of this league. They're the stars that make it happen. But, uh, I, you know, if anyone could get something done, it's Leonard. He is just an absolute bull in a China shop everywhere he goes and, you know, sometimes that sometimes that's what you need. Um, we requested some questions, and we got a few of them here. Let's start with the Cheeb. He uh, says, assuming one, the team wants to manage Taves' workload and sit him out some games, and two, Taves wants to play a full workload and play every game. What happens? I don't think the team wants to manage his workload. I think they're perfectly happy. Just let let him. If he wants to play, they're going to let him play. That's the vibe I've gotten. I mean, this has been a grueling training camp, and he's gotten one day off. And he played 23 minutes in his first preseason yeah. game in over a year. I, I think the key still comes down. I, I, I just, I don't, the, the reality of the NHL and how they use lines and all these different things, like, I I just don't think him sitting out games is, like, 
No one does that. Like it just—it's—it's it's so foreign to this league. The, but we were I, just I, talking about trying to affect some change for the betterment of the players there, Scott. I, I do think I do think that his workload is what where it's at in like a game to game basis. Where you know, like they have lines. They you know, especially if you know. It, I, I I think the fact that you have Ken on one line, you have Taves on another, and you have Doc on on another. You know, like those are all lines that you want. And those player players you want to give a lot of ice time to. So I I think you know like. Having Doc not necessarily in a top six role, um, you know, like you still want like Doc's your future, so you need to give him more and more ice time. So I, I'm curious at how Colleton kind of splits that up, and but I, I do think that there's a chance to kind of minimize Taves' workload, especially at five and five, if he's if he's going to play in the top power play unit, and he's so key to the PK just because he wins faceoffs. Well, that's just it. I mean, the logical thing to do would be to limit his special teams time, right? But he is he's on. It, it might be to limit his. You know, and like they, they've needed his faceoffs on the PK yeah. for a while now. Because because honestly, like Kubalik's usually a guy who doesn't get. A ton of ice time. <laughs> yeah, and and, and, and Kurashev is probably you know he's the top nine guy and they like him. But hey, I, I'm curious, yeah, if if Taves is more of this is actually more of the third line than the the second line. You know? I still I wrote this on the first day of camp and I still believe it. The Hawks should force Taves to sit. They should tell him, look, you're not playing back to backs early on in the season until we know how your body reacts to this. We're gonna temper your ice time. We're gonna temper your practice time, and we're gonna sit you games. Uh, I don't think Taves would be happy about it, but I think you know. He's a smart guy. I think he'd understand a lot. He has, he has gained some perspective through this whole ordeal he's been through the last year. I just don't think they're going to do it. I think it's been clear since day one of camp that they're just going to run Jonathan Taves out there like it's five years ago and, you know, hope they get hope that the consequences aren't severe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't – I guess Taves is pretty forceful, too. He's usually <laughs> pretty vocal. Um, Mags asked, do you think any other Blackhawks will be named to the Olympic rosters? I think there'll be a bunch of them. I think yeah. have, Kubalik will definitely be on the Czech Republic. Kurashev will be playing for Team Switzerland. Yeah. Um, well, can, uh, who's on the Canadians now? Uh, I'm not sure they have any Canadians. Yeah, it's odd to think Taves won't be involved with Canada. Yeah, I, I, ta- you know Taves is thinking about Canada, Team, team yeah. Canada, and he wants... But, but, oh my God, I mean, Team Canada has, like, the 15 best centers in the world. They're well, all the playing... The Brink will be on USA. The Brink will be on USA, yeah. But uh, I don't. Th- I don't. Flurry, Canada. Ta- uh, Flurry, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Flurry could be. Like that was the whole like yeah. storyline about him playing. Lankinen, in might be like a, a third Finland? stringer for Finland, perhaps Borgstrom. I don't know if how the deep Finland usually doesn't have a ton of NHL guys, so Borgstrom could get onto that lineup. Um, who else do they have? Uh, Lucas Reichel will be playing for Germany. If yeah. Germany uh, did Germany make the, the field this year? I don't, know. I don't even know if they qualified yet. God, you know, I, I don't sit around and think about the Olympics twenty four hours a day like all of our Canadian colleagues do. You know, it's just like all they do is. Sit around the pub throwing darts, talking about projecting <laughs> rosters. <laughs> I'm <laughs> um, sure if you if you tune in the Athletic in the coming months, it will have thousands of stories. Craig Cousins loves this stuff. I'm sure he's talking about the American side. Uh, but yeah, it's, is Mur- it's, Murphy is he in the mix for the U.S.? I don't think so. I, I think he would. I was looking at the defensive lineup. I think, like I said, Seth Jones is probably like sixth or seventh among uh, uh, that you would take off the top of your head. Murphy's a good player, but I don't think he's going to be able to crack that lineup. Um, I don't think they had ten the last time there were the Olympics in Shulunov might play for Russia. Is he still a Blackhawk? <laughs> but yes, the Blackhawks will have plenty of representation in uh, in uh, in Beijing this year, which is probably not what Hawks fans want to hear because they'd rather them get three weeks off than risk a John Tavares situation in Sochi. Yeah. Well, maybe it's good. I mean, Taves Taves not being Canada. I think yeah. I think sending Taves. To, I think even if Taves had a monster first half of the year and they wanted him, it would be best for him not to. But, yeah. again, I seem to be treating Taves with kids' gloves that nobody else is. Uh, what else do we got here? There's uh, another Taves question. Should we be worried that Seth Jones has been pretty ordinary in the preseason? We touched on that, but I like how he used the word, this is Booney. 
used the word ordinary and hashtagged it ordinary. A shout out to uh, the Q speak, where ordinary is the single worst thing a human being can be. It basically is is Windsorian for piece of shit. That's what that's what ordinary means to Joel Quinville. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, the fact that there's been so many practice groups here and stuff, like it's been, it it has felt like a different camp because I think. A lot of it has been about roster battles. and It felt like a like, real training camp. Yeah. Like, it felt like like it wasn't like, you know, in the glory days, it was just like, you know, guys, like, you know, sweating out the summer beer and uh, getting their legs on underneath them. And then Carlton really hasn't had a whole lot of normal camps. This felt like a real-life training camp where guys are out there doing wind sprints and, you know, 85-minute practices and, you know, some pretty big names traveling to road games even. Um, it's it's been, it's been an interesting camp. I'm already entirely sick of it. I hate training camp, and I yeah. want the regular season to begin. And thankfully, we're I think just the a few players away. in the same boat. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Scott will be in Denver next week for the opener. I'll be in New Jersey and Pittsburgh for games two and three. We're traveling again. My uh, United and Marriott apps are full, and so is my heart. And uh, uh, we're excited to get back at it. Lots of stuff planned. Lots of stuff coming up. Um, we'll hit you with a preseason podcast or a, a pre regular season debut podcast, and um, then look for us mostly on Mondays, sometimes on Tuesdays, depending on travel schedules. But uh, we'll be back in the in the weekly format. Yeah, tenth season, huh? Eighty did. Yeah, Scott and I both started on the same day, January. What was it? January. God, 19th. I hated that. For, like I was like, just dreaded covering hockey. I'm like, yeah, I'm, like I'm like, I'm like coming in like on like like a, like a magic carpet, so excited to be here, just floating. And you're like, what the hell am I doing here covering hockey? And here we are, ten seasons later. Yeah, we're sitting in the same car. Deans of the beat. Yeah, something like that. Um, we'll go. <laughs> For, for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Laz and Powers, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little